Hey there, it's Nim, and this is A Spoonful of Medicine, topping up your paediatric knowledge one spoonful at a time. On this episode, we're taking a look at ventilation in the neonatal nursery. There are a few types of ventilation modes that are used to help a neonate breathe. They are very similar, but also have key differences. And these key differences are important to understand because it relates to how they are used. Ventilation is also intricately linked to oxygenation and ventilation in a carbon dioxide removal sense. So it's also really important to understand how ventilators work and how changing parameters changes oxygenation and ventilation in your neonate. Just before we jump into it, remember, these episodes are for education and not clinical recommendations. So always look at your local guidelines and practices for what is recommended in your unit. And ventilation in babies should always be directed by a consultant neonatologist or paediatrician. When we look at ventilation of babies or indeed patients, it's important to understand two key concepts. One is the type of ventilators that we have at our disposal and how exactly they help and support the neonate. Secondly, it is also very important to understand oxygenation and ventilation and how parameters on a ventilator impact oxygenation and ventilation. When studying about ventilation in neonates myself, I found it really helpful to understand, firstly, what do the ventilators do? And once I understood that, go on to, well, how do we change parameters on a ventilator to affect the physiology of the baby? So with that, let's start by looking at the types of ventilation strategies that we have at our disposal. And just a heads up, we're going to be covering conventional ventilation. High frequency oscillatory ventilation won't be touched upon. We'll make a mini-sode later for that. Okay, so when we look at the ventilation options in neonates, it's helpful to look at it in the sense of how much are we helping the baby breathe and how much are we telling the baby to breathe. One senior clinician even described it as a dictatorship moving towards a partnership. (laughs) So if we start with the most dictatory type of ventilation, we have intermittent mandatory ventilation or IMV. It's also known as continuous mandatory ventilation or CMV if you're using a different type of ventilator. Another place that we also use this type of ventilation is IPPV or intermittent positive pressure ventilation, which is the sort of pressure ventilation that we use in resuscitation situations. In this sort of ventilation, you tell the baby everything and you don't listen to what it says back to you. You tell the baby how fast to breathe and when to breathe, because you are the one who sets the pressures as well as the rates. And that is the number of breaths that the ventilator, or in the case of IPPV, you deliver. This sort of ventilation is not really used as much anymore outside of the resuscitation situation when we're providing IPPV manually. It was used in older style transport ventilators, but now has been superseded by better ventilation options that we'll talk about in a second. The next type of ventilation we have is SIMV, or Synchronized Intermittent Mandatory Ventilation. In this sort of ventilation, you are helping the baby but only to the extent you want to help. And by that, I mean you set a backup rate or the number of breaths the ventilator will deliver to the baby. Each time the baby tries to breathe, 
it will synchronize the delivery breaths to the baby's breaths. However, if the baby breathes faster than the ventilator, additional breaths by the infant will not be supported and the baby is on its own to breathe. So this ventilation synchronizes with the baby's breaths and it gives more breaths if the baby doesn't breathe to the backup rate that you set. But any additional breaths by the infant will not be supported. So if the ventilation is set at 40 breaths per minute and the baby is breathing at 50 breaths per minute, only 40 breaths would be supported. Just note that because the babies have to expire energy if they're breathing above the backup rate, especially in preterm infants and small babies, they may tire if they're trying to breathe against an ETT unassisted. This sort of ventilation is sometimes used in term infants with HIE to prevent low CO2, i.e. avoiding overventilation of the baby. It's also sometimes used as a weaning mode or to test the baby before CPAP because you can wean that backup rate. Next, if we want to be even more helpful to the baby, we have SIPIV or Synchronized Intermittent Positive Pressure Ventilation. It's also known as assist-controlled ventilation or patient-triggered ventilation. Here, you again set the minimum numbers of breaths that the ventilator will deliver. The ventilator then synchronizes these breaths with the baby. And the difference between this and SIMV is that in SIPIV, it also supports every triggered breath by the baby. So all breaths ventilator initiated or baby initiated are supported by the ventilator. Or in other words, you tell the baby how fast they need to breathe at a minimum. You deliver those breaths when the baby tells you. If the baby is breathing too slow, you will assist to that backup rate. And if the baby is breathing faster, you support every additional breath that that baby takes. For example, if the ventilator is set at, again, 40 breaths a minute, and the baby is breathing at 50 breaths a minute, all 50 breaths this time will be supported. It's good to note with SIPIV, for babies that are breathing above their backup rate, weaning the ventilation rate by reducing the rate of respirations will actually have no effect because the ventilator is gonna be supporting every additional breath that that baby is taking. This is the most frequently used mode of ventilation because it supports every breath, which makes it a bit more comfortable for the baby. While you can wean pressures in this type of ventilation, weaning the rate or increasing the rate doesn't help as much because the baby is the one who's setting that backup rate for how fast it's gonna breathe. Finally, we have pressure support ventilation or PSV. This is like SIPIV, but this time the baby, you're helping them, and also the baby is telling you how much they want you to help them. So in PSV, you again set the minimum numbers of breath the ventilator delivers, and the ventilator will support all the breaths that you take, as well as the breaths that the baby initiates. The difference this time is that it synchronizes with inspiration and expiration such that when the inspiratory flow rate is less than 10% of the maximum, that inspiration time decreases. This ventilation setting supports inspiration and expiration such that it is more comfortable for the baby. 
Note that short inspiratory times can result and that can lead to a very fast respiratory rate. And finally, I just want to talk a little bit about volume guarantee or volume guarantee modes. While this is not a ventilator in and of itself, it is a setting that can be used in conjunction with conventional ventilation. In volume guarantee mode, you tell the ventilator what tidal volume you are aiming for and the maximum positive inspiratory pressure that you're willing to give in order to get that tidal volume. The ventilator then adjusts that positive inspiratory pressure or PIP up or down by 10% by each breath in order to achieve that target tidal volume. This is very helpful because we know that volume, pressure and compliance are all intricately linked. The amount of gas or tidal volume that is delivered is not just dependent on pressure. It is also determined by the amount of lung compliance of the lung that you're ventilating. A stiff lung will inflate to a less volume than a compliant lung for the same applied pressure. And in babies, lung compliance can change over time. For example, it can change rapidly in the case of preterm infants receiving surfactant. Therefore, a selected positive inspiratory pressure may deliver different tidal volumes at different times. Furthermore, Lungs can be damaged by mechanical ventilation and over-distension from excessive tidal volumes or volume trauma is something that we really want to avoid. So, by setting a volume guarantee on your ventilator, the ventilator automatically alters the PIP or the positive inspiratory pressure up to a maximum limit. This allows the ventilator to deliver a constant tidal volume regardless of changes in the compliance of the lung. So theoretically, it reduces the risk of over-distension, which is particularly important in preterm infants. This titrating of PIP to the lung volume or the tidal volume also allows a volume guarantee mode to enable auto-weaning, i.e. auto-weaning of the PIP pressures to that lung volume as that lung compliance improves and the baby gets better. Okay, so before we go on to ventilation and oxygenation, let's quickly recap the types of ventilation modes that we have at our disposal. Number one, we have intermittent positive pressure ventilation or intermittent mandatory ventilation, which is when you are the dictator. You tell the baby how fast to breathe, when to breathe, and at what pressures. Next, we have synchronized intermittent mandatory ventilation. Here, you tell the baby how fast you want it to breathe and you help with each of the breaths that you want to help with. Any additional breaths, the baby is on its own. Thirdly, we have SIPIV or synchronized intermittent positive pressure ventilation, also known as assist control ventilation. Here, you set the minimum number of breaths that the ventilator will deliver, but you synchronize every breath of the ventilator as well as baby initiated so that all breaths are supported. Finally, you have pressure support ventilation, which is an extension of SIPIV, where here the baby's breaths and the ventilator breaths are all supported, but the baby is telling you how fast the inspiratory and expiratory times would like to be. 
Also, don't forget about the benefits of volume guarantee modes, where we're targeting a set tidal volume as the ventilator titrates the PIP. And this allows us to look at the changes in pressures and indeed compliance of the lung as the patient improves or indeed may be deteriorating. Terrific. Now let's have a look at oxygenation and ventilation and how changing parameters on a ventilator will affect oxygenation and ventilation in the neonate. To start off with, let's have a look at what parameters we have at our disposal. A few key things to note firstly is that the pressure to maintain a bubble or an alveoli open is inversely related to the radius. The pressure to maintain a bubble is inversely related to its radius. In other words, the smaller the bubble, the more the pressure needed to maintain it. And that's why once alveoli or airways are open, they are easier to keep open. Secondly, compliance is also related to volume and pressure. Specifically, compliance is delta volume over delta pressure. This means that increasing volumes actually has increasing compliance. So there's more compliance at larger volumes and therefore you'll need less pressure versus reduced compliance at lesser volumes needing more pressure. An easy way to think of this is when you're blowing up a balloon. When they're at the start, you need a lot of pressure to get that first little bit of air in. But once that radius or the size is increasing, the volume is increasing, the pressure that you need to make the balloon bigger and bigger is less because that compliance is improving. Back to the ventilators. The first setting we have is PEEP, P-E-E-P, or peak end expiratory pressure. This is a maximum pressure that provides continuous distension of the lungs, i.e. we want to keep those airways and alveoli a little bit open to enable us to not need as much pressures to open them up every single time. We don't want them to collapse. To prevent collapse, that's the peak. Next, we have the peak inspiratory pressure, or PIP. This is the maximum pressure that is used or delivered during inspiration. Next, we have the rate or the respiratory rate. This is the set number of mechanical breaths that's administered in a minute. It's usually between 40 and 60. Remember, in SIMV, that respiratory rate is both the maximum and the minimum. You're helping the baby when it wants, but only the number of times you want to. Versus in SIPIV, that respiratory rate is a backup rate. The baby will at a minimum breathe that rate, but at a maximum will be supported for how fast it wants to breathe. Finally, we have FiO2, which is the amount of supplementary oxygen that is delivered in the circuit. This should be targeted to saturations based on the gestational age as well as the underlying condition in the baby. So how does this all relate to oxygenation and carbon dioxide elimination in the neonate? Well, the, the goal for any ventilation that you're doing is to achieve satisfactory oxygenation and satisfactory carbon dioxide clearance, which means that these are the two parameters that we can affect by changing things on the ventilation settings. So let's start with oxygenation. 
oxygenation or the partial pressure of oxygen or PaO2 is determined by the inspired fraction of oxygen or the FiO2 and the mean airway pressure. So oxygenation equals inspired fraction of oxygen times mean airway pressure. If you deliver more concentrated oxygen, more oxygen will go into the blood. If you increase the MAP, that improves oxygenation by allowing redistribution of oxygen from highly compliant alveoli that are more stretchy to less compliant alveoli, which are stiffer to open them up a bit more and offer more ventilation or more optimal ventilation to perfusion ratios that will, will facilitate gas exchange. So how do we change or how do we affect the oxygenation in a baby with the ventilator? Well, firstly, you can change the FiO2. You can increase it or decrease it to help change or increase or decrease the oxygenation. Secondly, you can change the mean airway pressure or the MAP. Now, the MAP is affected by the PEEP and the PIP. So any increases in the peak inspiratory pressure or the peak expiratory pressure or the time that you are at your peak inspiratory pressure will increase the MAP. So it makes sense. There's one of five ways you can change the MAP or you can increase the MAP. One is that you increase your peak inspiratory pressure. Secondly, you can increase your peak end expiratory pressure. Thirdly, you can increase your inspiratory time to have more time at your peak inspiratory pressure. Or you can decrease your expiratory time so you have less time at your peak end expiratory pressure. And finally, you can increase your inspiratory flow rate. Just keep in mind, however, that your inspiratory time must always be less than your expiratory time. Otherwise, you'll have gas trapping. Also, note that because expiratory time in the respiratory cycle is actually longer than inspiration time, it's about 2 to 1 or 3 to 1, the MAP is closer to your peak end expiratory pressure. So affecting your PEEP will actually affect your MAP more in terms of a degree than changing your PIP. But practically, it's usually the PIP that is modified first. Cool. Now let's have a look at ventilation. And by ventilation here, I mean CO2 clearance. Ventilation is determined by the minute volume. This is tidal volume times your rate. So ventilation is determined by minute volume and minute volume is tidal volume times your respiratory rate. The higher the minute volume or the minute ventilation, the more CO2 is going to be cleared and the CO2 in your blood will drop. The lower the minute volume or the minute ventilation, less CO2 will be cleared and the CO2 in your blood will rise. So how do we affect minute ventilation in terms of ventilation settings. First, you can increase the respiratory rate. However, this is only really helpful in the SIMV type setting where you're setting the backup rate and are only assisting with the backup rate. In settings such as SIPIV, the baby is really determining how fast it wants to breathe. So if it's breathing beyond that, baseline rate, you're not really reducing the respiratory rate by simply reducing the background number of breaths that you're willing for the ventilator to trigger. 
The other way is to increase the tidal volume, and this is the more practical one. So to increase the tidal volume, you can either increase your peak inspiratory pressure or decrease your peak and expiratory pressure because it is a difference in these pressures that dictates how much volume is going into the baby's lungs. Also, if you're using a volume guarantee mode, you can increase the tidal volumes. Now here I've talked about oxygenation and ventilation separately. However, keep in mind that they are intricately linked. For example, an increase in your PIP or your peak inspiratory pressure, either directly by changing it on the ventilator or by altering your tidal volume settings and volume guarantee mode. This will increase oxygenation by increasing your MAP and it will also cause more CO2 clearance because increasing your PIP will increase your tidal volume and increasing your tidal volume will increase your minute ventilation. Okay, you're doing well, we're almost done. To wrap it all up, I wanted to just go through some problem solving options when you do have a child on a ventilator that may not be oxygenating well or not ventilating well. And this will also help us consolidate our understanding of how oxygenation and ventilation can be manipulated by ventilation settings. Obviously, any change in oxygenation or CO2 in a baby requires a review and assessment of what could be happening. But from an education point of view, we're just going to focus on what ventilator settings can be changed in order to achieve or ameliorate the situation. Let's kick off with oxygenation. So if you have a baby that is poorly oxygenating, we want to improve the oxygenation. We know that oxygenation is affected by FiO2 and mean airway pressure. So if the oxygenation is low, we can increase the oxygenation by increasing the partial pressure of oxygen. And indeed, this is usually the first measure that's done. The second thing we can do is increase the mean airway pressure. And to do this, we have, remember, five options. First, we can increase the inspiratory pressure, but caution for barotrauma. We can increase the tidal volume if you are on a volume guarantee to indeed increase the PIP that you're delivering. You can increase the PEEP, but this is usually capped at a maximum of eight. You can also increase the inspiratory time to allow more time near the positive inspiratory pressure, and this will therefore increase the MAP. Next, if we have a baby who is oxygenating a little too well, what are our options here? Again, FiO2 or MAP. We can decrease our FiO2, so if they're in 100% oxygen, weaning that down a little bit, or we can decrease the MAP. And how do we decrease the MAP? Well, we can decrease the positive inspiratory pressure. Right? This will also decrease the volume, which will also decrease the amount of CO2 that is taken away and can increase your carbon dioxide in your blood. You can decrease the tidal volume if you're in a volume guarantee mode. You can also decrease the PEEP, but again, this is capped at a base level because we don't want all the alveoli to collapse. And finally, you can decrease the total inspiratory time if you've increased it quite a bit previously and it is long. But more or less, if the baby is improving and it's doing well, 
Maybe we actually need to de-escalate care and look towards extubation. Now if we have a look at ventilation, so partial pressure of CO2. If we have a baby that is poorly ventilating, and that means they have a high amount of CO2 in their blood, what do we need to do? Well, we need to increase the minute ventilation. And remember, minute ventilation is a product of your tidal volume and your rate. So to increase our minute ventilation, our options are increasing the rate, although this is only really helpful if you are in SIMV, i.e. you are only supporting as many breaths as you want to support, because in SIPIV, the baby's going to breathe as fast as it likes. Secondly, you can increase your tidal volume. So to do this, you can either increase the volume itself if you are in a volume guarantee mode. But if you're not, because tidal volume is the kind of the difference between your PIP and your PEEP, you can either increase your PIP or decrease your PEEP to increase your tidal volume. So a baby who is poorly ventilating, we can increase the rate if you're in a SIMV mode, we can increase the tidal volume if you're in a volume guarantee mode, or you can increase the PIP or decrease the PEEP in order to increase the tidal volume. Now, if we have a baby who is ventilating a little too well, i.e. their carbon dioxide in their blood is going down because they're blowing too much off, what do we do? Essentially, the opposite of what we did for a poorly ventilating baby. We want to decrease the minute ventilation. To do this, we can decrease the respiratory rate, but again, that's only really helpful in the SIMV mode. So how do we decrease the tidal volume? Well, we can reduce the tidal volume itself if we're on a volume guarantee mode, or we can decrease the PIP or increase the PEEP in order to change our tidal volume. So a baby who's venting a bit too well, we can decrease the respiratory rate we can decrease the tidal volume, or we can decrease the PIP or increase the PEEP. And that's been this week's episode of A Spoonful of Medicine. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tell a friend. For the visual learners of us out there, head over to our Instagram page, at spoonful.of.medicine, for a quick summary of today's episode, along with some other great educational content. If you'd like to get in touch, have a suggestion for a future episode, or have heard something that you think needs a correction, please email us on spoonfulofmedicinepodcast at gmail.com. It's been a pleasure topping up your paediatric knowledge one spoonful at a time. I can't wait for you to join us on our next episode. But until then, bye. Bye.